edition of the Teardown. This is the Post Race Podcast on Athletic. My name is Jeff Buck, and I'm co with George Bianchi. And today we are going to talk about the Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And one that was uh, pretty wild and crazy for Brickyard standards. I mean, it almost sort of reminded me of the uh, Casey Kane win uh, a few years ago now. But, uh, you know, overall, you know, for Brickyard standards, pretty good race there, Jordan. It was. I have a really bad analogy. I'm, can I make for you? I've been thinking about this. Wow. You've been thinking about a bad analogy and you're still going to make it. Let's hear this. Well, actually, I have probably a better idea. I don't. Okay. So you're really hungry and you're craving sushi and you go and you buy cheap sushi somewhere because you're in a hurry and you know the sushi's going to be bad, but you're hungry and you're craving it. And the sushi actually turned out to be really good. I feel like this was gas station sushi today and that going into today, I was really, really worried that this was going to be a bad race. Just Indianapolis is not a great track. We've talked about it, but when it was all said and done, I thought this was a great race. It had a little bit of everything. And I walked away from this going, this was a darn good race and one of the more entertaining races of the year. So the gas station sushi chef turns out that actually he is, he has a, a career ahead of him or something. He yeah. made it better than you thought it was fresher. You got it right when it was made or something. Yes, exactly. It didn't make you sick. You actually enjoyed it. A good meal. No, okay. I'm going back for more. Oh, wow. Okay. So not only, not only did you think it was good, but you want some more. Okay. Interesting. Well, it, yeah, I, I, to that point though, I think after the Saturday race on the on the road course, I mean, even mm-hmm. even James Small, uh, Martin Trucks Jr.'s crew chief, tweeted, <laughs> uh, you know, well, I guess we just saw the last, uh, you know, or whatever, you know, the, next year's race is obviously not going to be on the Oval now or something yeah. after, you know, and, and I thought the same thing at the time, right? I'm like, well, yeah, the the road course was great, so now they're they're probably definitely going to move it after this is going to be a boring Oval race, but no, I think it was it was a good race. I mean. Uh, you had strategy, you had interesting racing. Now, a lot of things happened that, you know, aren't necessarily stuff you want to see, uh, namely people popping tires, um, which was which was weird and some really hard hits. Uh, obviously, the pit road mishap uh, where a crew member gets hurt, all that stuff is not part of the, the equation that you want to see. But um, it all ultimately adds up to, you know, some some exciting restarts, some big moves, um, you know, a duel between clearly the two mm-hmm. best cars of the season so far. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, You're- there wasn't a point where I was just like, ah, boring brickyard. Honestly, I, I was just kind of into it for, for the most part the whole time. Yeah. And I think you had a really good tweet that really summarizes it was this was the two best drivers and teams throughout the season going at it in a marquee race. And the one thing I like about Indianapolis motor speedway and the brickyard 400, you can say what you want about the quality of racing through the years. But the best teams shine here. You know, there really isn't a fluke winner here more often than not. It's usually the top team, top drivers do well here because this is a point of emphasis. And this is a driver's racetrack. It's an aerodynamic racetrack. And it's a horsepower racetrack. And you can put all those elements together. And that's why the best drivers and teams win here. And we saw it today. And you and you summarized it perfectly. It was great to see these guys have a showdown. And it's unfortunate what happened with Hamlin. But it was it was good to see that. It was fun. And it was it was nice to see. And... I was encouraged by the racing and obviously a lot has to do with that. The fact that there was tire issues throughout the race and without those, you know, without those tire failures, this race was not going to be the bonkers race that it was. But when it was all said and done, it walked away. I'm like, this was good. I like this. This was, it had a little bit of everything it had the strategy elements. It had the, it had the, the best drivers and teams going at it and we had a deserving winner. 
Well, so are, are you comfortable if this race stays on the oval going forward? You know, last year yeah. um, for September, uh, as, as the regular season was coming to an end, and this was the, the cutoff race for it, we did a roundtable on The Athletic. And I, I went back to see what I said today just to make sure I wasn't going to be contradicting myself because I hate flip-flopping and having oh, yeah, freezing, sure. freezing cold takes and stuff. But um, I said the same way I feel now, which is that either do it on the oval at Indy or don't do it at all. In the sense that um, I don't, you know, if you're gonna just go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and run a road course race for Cup, there's plenty of other good road courses out there. You don't need to be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for that. So just don't go. I would rather just see the race moved if they're not going to run on the oval. Um, I get that the, you know, the oval race hasn't been good uh, for a while, but you know, when you have a race like this, you go, okay, well maybe, you know, yeah, I could see clearly, clearly the prestige is there. I mean. Chase Briscoe wins the Xfinity race and he immediately says, well, I know this isn't as prestigious as the Oval. It's not just being at Indianapolis. It's being on the big track that sure. makes it makes a difference. So, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to see it uh, move forward um, if, it, if it stays on the Oval like that. I, what, what about you? I have a, I, I'd like to see it on the Oval because I, I agree with everything you said. It, it is significant to race on the Oval. It is the history of Indianapolis Motor Speedway is because of the Oval, not the road course. That said, I think we can all agree the racing on the oval isn't always the best and you need other outside circumstances to intervene to have a good race. Like we saw today with the tires, like we saw in 2017 when everyone was crashing. That's what you need. And I also think road course racing right now is phenomenal in NASCAR. I think you need more of them. So I was thinking about this after yesterday's race because like you, I've kind of gone back and forth and I don't want to be known as a hypocrite or somebody who's wishy-washy. What about doubleheader at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, road course on Saturday, cup on uh, cup race on Sunday on the oval, two races Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 150 miles on the road course, 250 miles on the on the oval. What do you think? See, I don't even think you necessarily need that because the Xfinity race sort of serves that purpose. Like I think that moving the Xfinity race off the oval actually helped the weekend overall just because sure. if you had seen a boring Xfinity race on Saturday, and then been like, okay, now we got to do it again for Cup. It would have been like, oh, I mean, it, it just. But when you when you see a, a a totally different race Saturday, completely unique and have its own identity from the Cup race, then you see Cup. It's it's to me easier to sort of tolerate, I guess, and yeah. digest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think the Xfinity race already serves that purpose in a way. I don't know that you need to to come there and run and run a doubleheader. I mean, um, if you were trying to knock out races that way to shorten the season yeah you could that's that's one thought but um i don't know i i just uh i was pleasantly surprised overall at the weekend just because of of sort of the stigma indianapolis has and obviously expectations are low let's let's be honest so <laughs> beyond if it's, low? A, if it's a decent race you're like oh that was that was that wasn't too bad you know and i, I think that's yeah. kind of how i feel now but um i do think also that the battle for me as a viewer, the battle between the two top teams right now played into it. You know, you're sort of like, as things sort of shook out, you're like, okay, look, this is, you know, we just saw this at Pocono. Both those guys finished one, two, uh, and then flip flop the next day. And, you know, the way things have been going, Chase Elliott, he was running third for a while until the inexplicable pit call to me. We'll get to that in a minute. But, um, 
Chase Elliott, you know, sort of drops off. But so then you're left with those two guys and I, I'm into it, you know, like they're, they're, they're pitted right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're looking to see who's going to pit first. Um, Gabe Hart is, is fiery and you know, he, he's going after it. They, both the teams clearly respect each other and are bringing out each other's a game. And you're like, man, who's, who's going to win this duel. And yeah, you know, I could, I saw the Twitter feedback from people are like, oh man, just, could we not see somebody else win this race? And you know, some, anybody else, of course, you know, Kenseth would have been a good story for instance, but you know, there's something to be said about, Hey, these are the best guys you're seeing mm-hmm. the best. It's not a fluky thing. They're rising uh, to the top. Um, and I was kind of waiting to see what happened, you know, and I think that added to the intrigue of it. No, I agree. It was it was a showdown. It was a showdown between two drivers who and teams who, since the break, have have been on it, and they they seemingly are winning just about every week. It's two crew chiefs who are really good at, at getting the most out of their teams, and it's a it's a contrast in personalities between the, the crew chiefs. Like you said, Gabart is fiery and emotional, and, and Rodney's just kind of chill at top of the box, and that they're right next to each other on pit road, and they're staring at each other. That's cool. You want to see that, and and you you know I think you're going to write about this from the questions you were asking, but the respect level between them is off the charts, and that to me really adds a uniqueness to this. That that kind of you know it just it, it makes it a little bit better. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, um, as we've talked before, you know, those uh, two two cars are sort of the marquee uh, in their organizations right now. And it was just another example of that today, uh, at least on the Gibbs side, because Kyle Busch was sort of nowhere to be found, struggling all day. Um, at one point, I, I tweeted about it, but he like sang the word awful. He was like, awful or something like that. <laughs> it was just like, that was Was weird. he on key? Uh, yeah, it's, it seemed, it seemed to be a nice, nice tune. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Truex had his, his problems early. I guess it was a loose plug wire. Then he got caught up in the thing on pit road. They, they probably would have had a good day. Eric Jones, um, he had good strategy to stay out. He was running second. Then he ended up popping a tire. Um, Kyle Busch sounded like he was going to pop a tire too for a while there. Um, and, and, you know, meanwhile, the Stuart Haas cars all, Seemed to hit the setup. I mean, Custer had a good day. Almirola had his fifth straight top five, and yeah, something he's been that great was lately. yeah, really something that was said by Childers. Um, I thought added to what we've been talking about in the showdown part, which was that in the post race he noted that there hadn't been any cars on track since NASCAR was there um, last year, and I didn't think about that, you know, at first, but. He was right, right? Because there's no month of May. There was no Indy 500. There wasn't um, too much rubber on the track at all. And so they sort of went conservative on their camber in order to mm-hmm. like not let the tires wear as much. Where you could tell um, some teams, Hendrick, I would assume, Gibbs, um, some of these teams that had tire problems and were very worried about the tires popping, you know, they were they were a slightly more aggressive or maybe even normal setup where it, sa- it sounded like, though, that the SHR cars were like, hey, um, you know, let's let's back this down a little bit. And Harvick said it it didn't help his cars handling, but the tires were great all day where Denny Hamlin was clearly courting his and have to having to take care of him. So there's a another example of the strategy right there. Right. But that doesn't even it's not even an in race strategy. That's a, a pre weekend strategy. So I thought that was a cool little wrinkle. It was, and great question to Rodney Childers, whoever asked that, I'm not sure who, um, to get that answer. 
Uh, that was a pat on the back for myself, by the way. Sorry. Oh, it was uh, you. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, I totally was, missed that. Wow. <laughs> no, it's okay. So humble. No, it's all good. Um, no, and I think it goes back to what we were just talking about, though, before was, you know, kind of the showdown thing between these guys is, you know, Rodney's listening in to the 11 radio and he's telling Kevin Harvick at the end of the race. I mean, I, I, I heard it and it was, you know, that last caution, the second to last caution before Hamlin crashed. He's telling Rodney. All right, Rodney is telling Kevin, hey, Denny's having some issues with his right tire, right front tire. You need to push him, and you need to push him hard. And Chris Gabehart has been telling Denny Hamlin for the last, I don't know, probably 50 laps or so, be smart, be conservative, don't push it, baby it. And you, you could see what was building here, and Kevin Harvick knew that, and he went after it. He pushed Denny as hard as he could, and the question is, is did, did that have any impact on, on Denny hitting the wall? You know, we don't know, but we know that the 11 was having tire issues and he wasn't in a position at that spot to, to back it down. Yeah. And I mean, Harvick said that he would not have caught Denny uh, without that. I mean, he said he, he just he just wasn't going to catch him. He didn't have the, the speed at that point after the uh, mis, miscommunication, I guess, where um, Hamlin comes in a lap early. Harvick uh, was trying to be called into the pits by Childers, but I guess the, the they had two different spotters today in the turn three spotter was talking over Childers as Childers was trying to call Harvick to pit road. Harvick didn't hear him, came in a lap late, and by the time he uh, came out, Hamlin had beat him out, and that looked like it was probably possibly going to be for the win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just all these little things that add up, and, and again, it, the dual element of it uh, is sort of fascinating, especially when you start to think, you know, as recently as last week, we're talking about, hey, there's no real – you know, true favorite yet. Um, Harvick and Hamlin seem to have a good couple weeks here, but now it really seems like, you know, when you see the Brickyard and they go do that, Mm -hmm. it seems like they're really starting to establish themselves as clearly uh, two forces to be reckoned with um, for the rest of the season. They each have four wins now, which is um, obviously the most tied for the most in the series. So um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see who else can kind of step up because I assume that, you know, okay, so now they're going to go to Kentucky well, you would think that Harvick and Hamlin would be good again, although um, you would think Chase Elliott will be up there. Um, so you would, you would think, yeah, the Hendrick yeah. cars. It's, but we've also said, though, too, we, we've thought the Hendrick cars were going to be better on the intermediate tracks than they have been lately because they haven't been the same in the last couple of weeks. Well, let's talk about Chase Elliott for a minute because, and again, I looked through my Twitter replies to see if any Chase fans were able to shed some light on this. I still am not quite sure what happened on this because I only caught part of the radio chatter and I just didn't have an understanding. So um, they're they're pitting under green, right, as Harvick and Hamlin did before that caution. And then the caution comes out. Clearly, Harvick and Hamlin, who have already pitted, are going to stay out. Chase Elliott, you would think, would do the same thing because he pitted. And so he would restart third behind those two. Alan Gustafson uh, has him come into pit. And he comes out 11th, um, then sort of fades to 13th. You know, he totally lost his track position. Then, after uh, the Hamlin incident, uh, Elliott had a chance to stay out and pits again. So he ends up finishing outside the top 10. I just could not, for the life of me, yes, I know they were worried about tires, obviously. Clearly, it was a, it was an issue um, for at least Bowman and Byron, and I'm sure they were worried too, but... You know, it's it's going to be a overtime finish, and you need to come get tires again after you already came to get tires later than the leaders. I what what happened there? 
I don't understand it. It's a curious pit call. Um, Alan Gustafson has made a few of those over the years, and I, you know it's easy to Monday morning quarterback the crew chiefs. I don't get it either. It seems like it was very obvious that track position today meant everything, and fresh tires didn't really mean that much. And we saw that in the last restart. Matt Kenseth had fresher tires than Matt uh, than Kevin Harvick by about eleven laps. Right, didn't matter. Harvick blew by him. I mean, just blew him out of the water. So I don't understand that call. It makes no sense to me unless there's a tire issue that they were having or they thought they had. That's the only explanation because the same thing happened to Christopher Bell where he pitted. He ended up having to pit again at late because he had a hit a vibration just after pitting before. So I don't get it. It doesn't make sense, and it's it's a curious call. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, because I I there's got to be some explanation that I just don't yeah. understand because you know Elliot. Uh, would have restarted where Kenseth was restarting there, you know? Yeah. Um, he would yeah. have restarted on the good front car row with overtime, right? I mean, so as much as we and talk it about... Broken up in, in, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It would have broken up the, the SHR kind of alliance that they had going on there because Kevin Harvick getting that push from Cole Custer was everything. Harvick, you know, came on the radio before that final restart and said, hey, when Cole hits me is when I'm going to go. That's the signal. And as soon as Kevin Harvick crossed the finish line, he was excited and he came on and said, hey, make sure you guys tell thank you to Cole for that bump. Yeah. Well, he might have still had, I mean, depending on how things shook out, he might have still had Almirola behind him or something. But, but yeah, I get your point. And it just, it's just funny, though, how I guess my point is here that, you know, we, we are talking about Harvick and Hamlin because Harvick has another win. But had things gone a little bit differently, you know, we could be saying, hey, Elliot, Elliot got one and now he's in he's right in the mix with these guys. So it, it could have sort of changed the narrative. But um, anyway, I, I do think those those three guys are the top. Who who would be the fourth now, then? Because, I mean, Almirola, I I keep wanting to sort of overlook him just because it, just throughout his career, he hasn't been a championship contender. Five top fives in a row. And as he pointed out, not at his good tracks, I mean, places where he's historically struggled. Now he's going to some of his good tracks. SHR seems to be running well. I mean, is is Almirola a guy who can make a playoff run? Like is like final four ish? To me, it comes down to for, when I'm looking at guys who are going to make the final four. I want to see. I want to believe in guy. I, I pick guys who I think can win in that that semifinal round. And I don't until I see Eric win and win consistently. I don't know if he can do that. To me. I'm looking at a guy like Ryan Blaney, for example, who is is fast most weeks. Yeah, the consistency, uh, the consist- consistency actually has been there for the most part. He ran off like five or six straight top ten or top five finishes this year. He's got some speed most week. He runs really well at Martinsville, which is the second to last race of the season. So if he has to go to Martinsville and and, and win, I feel like he could do that. I look at a guy like Brad Keselowski. I, I would put those guys ahead of. Eric Almirola or anybody else in that category, and actually, I would put I would put Blaney and Keselowski in the same category as I do Elliott, just because they all kind of to me have that same thing where they look good a lot of weeks, but they also have some issues kind of pop up every once in a while. Elliott, again, like you mentioned, how many wins should he have this year? It feels like he should have more than one, and he doesn't. And Blaney and Keselowski at times look very, very good. And then other times they just, you know, they kind of have that race where you're like, oh, man, I don't know. So I, I feel like it's a group of three, four guys. I think Logano probably deserves a, a recognition in there just because he, he's, he, didn't, he hasn't been great lately, but he's very good at Martinsville. And how can you ignore Martin Shrek Jr.? I mean, I, I know he's not having the season that he typically does, 
but he did win at Martinsville earlier this year. And if you have to go to a short track and, and to win to get into the, the final four, I'm going to believe in the guy who's won two straight races at Martinsville to do that. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of names you can throw in there. We haven't even mentioned Kyle Busch, Joey Logano. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, how uh, about that? Just for a second here, go back. Kyle Busch. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, we, we didn't even mention his name, which it just blows my mind that we, we don't even put him in that category right now, which is just how crazy. How can you? How can you? Oh, I mean, you, you, no, no, it, yeah. it's justified. It's absolutely justified. And you made a really good point. And what piece did you write last week? And I, oh, is it my? I'll, it was in my top five column. Thank you. Yeah, where it, it didn't really hit. It didn't really hit me until I read it. Was Kyle's only got one win over the last year? That that to me is incredible. Yep, yep. I mean, he won Pocono June, and then remember the big storyline going into Homestead was that oh my gosh, Kyle Busch hasn't won uh, since June, right? And then he wins Homestead, so everybody's like, oh well, he's champion anyway. But now he hasn't won since, so that's his only win in over a calendar year. Um, that continues to be interesting to follow, uh, especially, you know, Indy would have been a place where you would have thought he'd be good. Hamlin was good. So it's just, it's just odd. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very, to, to say 10 races to go in the regular season and Kyle Busch again, still doesn't have a playoff point is, I mean, it just boggles the mind, but, um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know what there's, there's so many directions we can go in with, with other parts of this race. I mean, there was that crazy pit road deal uh, that really, I mean, stage one was really eventful. I, I i can't really remember a time when I've seen pit road sort of like completely blocked like that for a minute. I mean, everybody just piled up. And I felt so bad for mm-hmm. for Justin Algar. Oh, my gosh. Oh, horrible. Like the yeah, guy, he, he, you know. Jimmy Johnson, uh, we haven't talked about it on, on the podcast yet, you know, and, and we'll address the point situation as it comes to that. But, you know, he, he gets uh, comes out and he says, you know, I've tested positive for COVID-19. I'm going to be out. Justin Algeyer, I mean, he he really never got the chance, I feel like, in Cup. And, and you know, you could argue in, in Xfinity he's had chances and he hasn't proven himself enough to get that next opportunity again in Cup. But, I mean, the guy spent his – the, his few cup years racing for H Scott motorsports in that 51 car. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good car, oh, you know, a horrible situation. And then, so then he goes down to Xfinity and you know, he just never comes up again. So now he's finally getting, you know, the, the chance of a lifetime, um, you know, to drive the 48 car, Jimmy Johnson, you know, all this pressure, you know, you know, Hendrick great. You know, it's just like, wow, this yard is, 400. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, Right away, he gets, you know, they, they had to go back to the um, back because of the driver change, which to me is a little bit weird just because there wasn't qualifying. So does that rule really need to be in place if there's not actual qualifying? It's not like somebody yeah, else I qualified agree. the car. I think the point of that rule was, hey, you don't have a ringer qualify the car and then put mm-hmm. this other guy in it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think it's it's a, it's a question. It, it's reasonable to question that. So then they have a competition caution, which... I mean, are we not over those by now? I mean, some cars don't even pit during the competition cautions. Um, you know, Rodney Childress said he woke up at 3 a.m. and had this epiphany that he needed to use it for strategy, so he pitted a lap beforehand, stuff like that. And then due to this competition caution, you know, they're all bunched up on pit road, and he just gets collected, and, and uh, his day's done. So I don't know. I mean, I... I, I don't know about either of those things, those rules. I, 
it just seems like stuff that is there that do you really need it? I, I again, I'm just not sure. Now maybe you would have somebody would have blown a tire had there not been that competition yeah, caution, but yeah, that's the only thing today out of every race we've had so far. Today was the one race where I would say the competition caution was needed because it was 15 laps into a race and the wear here was so excessive. It did give crew chiefs a good idea of, okay, this is, you know, we thought this was going to be a problem. It actually is a problem instead of letting it play out naturally, which, you know, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's what part of racing is, but I'm okay. I was okay with it today. I wasn't as upset by it. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, either way, it doesn't change the outcome for, for Al Geyer that, um, you know, just, just how disappointing I just, uh, you feel for the guy. The guy's a good guy. You would at least like to see him get a legit race to prove himself to see if he could run, you know, top 10 or something. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll get that chance at Kentucky. Probably will. I mean, what are the odds Jimmy yeah, can come know. back that, you know, he, he's he's got to have now two negative tests uh, for, for COVID in 24 hours apart, get those mm-hmm. test results back. I mean, we'll see what this week, week brings. But I was, I was kind of, um, you know, after all said and done, because some of the guys on the bubble had problems today, whether it's Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, uh, crashing at the end, um, you know, boy, what a what a bonehead um, incident from Dillon and uh, De Benedetto racing hard Ooh. for one spot, and it, yeah. and by them crashing, it both cost them probably ten spots. You know what I mean? When they're both trying to make mm-hmm. the playoffs, and, and Matt had a great day too, earning bonus points before that in stages one and two. So. That's yeah. just that's just where your crew chief or whoever needs to come on. Look, look, big picture guys here, big picture. Yes, every point matters, but we we look we don't we don't want to crash here. I couldn't tell who was at fault, but they were pinching each other down or somebody slid up. Whatever, takes them both out. I mean, just that's ten points or whatever it was. You know, it's, it's just uh, anyway. Bottom line is what I was saying. Jimmy Johnson still plus thirty six to the cutoff bubble. So. You know, if he's only out for, say, another week, maybe that's a situation where he comes back and is not too painful for his playoff chances. But, boy, I tell you what, these guys on the bubble who have been trying to make it, they better take advantage of him being out while they can because I, I still feel like he's a playoff team. And we didn't see it today. I mean, Eric Jones, I mean, again, no fault of his own. Eric Jones blows a tire, hits the wall. He, he ruins his good day. William Byron, not sure why he had a tire issue because he had a left, was it left front with him? Well, they, no, they, they came in and they changed two tires and they didn't change that yep. side and they sent him right okay. back out and, and, and the tire popped. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Sorry. And so William Byron on the bubble, you know, has a bad run, you know, does, does win the stage and get those points. But still, like you said, guys who were kind of fighting around, around you know, 15, 16, 17th in points didn't really maximize their days when they, when they should have. And you're letting um, Tyler Reddick get back into it. You're even letting Bubba Wallace get back into it, which obviously he's a long shot uh, with the equipment. Great runs for him, by the way. I mean, just week in after week out now. I mean, he, he, that team has really done a good job of maximizing their performance every single week. I'm surprised. I mean, I didn't realize that they were that much improved, but I mean, he, he already has three top tens this year. So that ties his career high for a season. Michael McDowell, their, their programs clearly, clearly improved. And, um, you know, it turns out it's not just, you know, I mean, John Hunter Nemechek's been doing great, but remember early in the season, we're like, wow, John Hunter Nemechek's really elevating uh, front row. But I think front row as a whole has stepped up. Absolutely. They have uh, top 10 finishes in three out of the last four races. They had never even had um, back-to-back finishes until back-to-back top 10 finishes until uh, Talladega and Pocono won. Um, McDowell, I believe Dustin Albino was the one that tweeted this. He said, 
Uh, McDowell's seventh place finish is now his best non-plate finish of his career. And that beats the Pocono race from just last week where he finished eighth. So McDowell, I mean, front row, it used to be like, oh, top 20. That's a great day for them, right? So this is, um, it, it's been interesting. I, and I don't know why, if it's the lack of practice or whatever it is. We've talked about all this parody stuff. But um, it's it's interesting to see these teams, you know, uh, continue to have solid runs. Even Reddick, I mean, both Reddick and Dylan, um, looking pretty yeah, decent. Christopher, so Christopher Bell had another top ten or another strong run. They would have had yeah. top ten without the with the issue late. And he had damage doing that too. I yeah. mean, he had a damaged car and he was able to to be up there. So I, I like that element of it. I mean, yes, I understand that the same people are winning the races and. Um, you have that side of it, but I, I do think there's some different names up there. It's not because we've had years in the past where it's just like you look at the top ten, and you're like, yeah, it's the same, same top ten every week pretty much. But um, not the last couple weeks, I feel like. So it's been fun, and, and it, that's I think that's part of why I'm not. I think maybe some people aren't getting so bored with the the Hamlin Harvick domination. Is you're seeing different guys in the mix. I mean, it's not. Yeah, they're winning the races, but you're still seeing other guys finish second, third, fourth, and you know running well. And I think that helps it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so Brickyard wise, what else do you want to talk about from this race in particular? I don't really think there's anything. I think we've hit on everything. And I think you mean we kind of summarizing is I don't think this race is going to be a road course race next year. I think there's still some momentum to to see how this goes. The drivers still are for the most part, or would like to be on the oval. I think the fact that you had another good race on the oval, um, I, I think this is going to continue. Well, it, it was weird. I mean, um, you know, I'm not used to missing, missing the brickyard, I guess, first of all, but, yeah, agreed. um, second of all, it, you know, just the fact that this was July 4th weekend and it wasn't at Daytona, that was really odd. I think I would have actually missed being at the track more if it was at Daytona like usual and we're so used to being down there and we weren't there. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, I agree. It, it, it was weird though just to to have this race on July 4th. The, the one thing that, or July 4th weekend, the one thing that really pissed me off earlier, I, I, I got to tell you, uh, that. The, <laughs> do you know what I'm going to say? No, I just like it when you're fired up. This is my favorite Jeff. Oh, okay. Do you want to take a guess on what fired me up about today? No, I don't. I know, I'm just going to soak in. I just want to enjoy it. Well, I, I just think that um, to have a, a green flag before the rain and lightning even were in the area scheduled for 424 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> that is just stupid. That is just absolutely ridiculous. What are we doing here? We have let TV dominate this entire sport. NASCAR has just sold their soul to TV just because it's the TV partners. They got to get the money. The TV dictates so much. NASCAR at some point is really going to get bit. Uh, but they have already in some ways with the weather stuff, but they got lucky actually at Pocono to get that race in. They got lucky today that the big storm cell didn't hit because that would have pushed it past uh, darkness. Um, How, how long can you keep scheduling, you know, not only three something PM starts, but four, almost four 30, that's your (laughs) scheduled time. And I know they were originally going to try to have practice or whatever. And so they just kept the slot they wanted to show the soccer, whatever. But, dude, like, it's self-defeating, I feel like, at some point, where you're going to have these Monday races or late races, and, and, and all TV's trying to do is get the races toward prime time so they can say, oh, look at our audience. We, oh, look at our ratings. Oh, it, it went up this week it's compared to last year. Oh, aren't we doing so good? But it's just some artificial thing. You know, races used to be at 1 o'clock, and the TV audiences were just fine. 
uh, I, I'm very, I'm getting very over these. I mean, look, I don't even schedule <laughs> flights, airline flights in the afternoon during the summer because you know that your flight might be delayed by a thunderstorm. It's the summer. Storms pop up every like afternoon, almost all over the country, I feel like. So why are we scheduling races at tracks? Well, not we, NASCAR. Uh, why is NASCAR scheduling races at tracks that have no lights in the summer to start at like 3 or 4 p.m.? Oh, my gosh. Okay. That pisses me off so much. I, I I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Can I just play devil's advocate here for a second? Go ahead. Is are you okay with NASCAR having to take less money from its television contract? And then don't mind you that television contract is keeping NASCAR afloat in a, in a lot of different ways, especially during the shutdown. Are you okay with NASCAR having to take less money if that meant race is starting earlier in the day? That's not going to, that's not going to happen. The TV, the TV, you know, they, they, they want it to have it a certain time, but they're not going to be like, Oh, well, you know, we can't give you, uh, this extra hundred million dollars or whatever because you want the races to start two hours earlier than we but, do. I mean, it's it's, um, you know, they, yeah, they they do they flex their muscle. I mean, this is what they do because they are very adamant that they want the races started at a very particular time because they're trying to maximize their ad revenue. So, well, how's their ad rev- revenue look on Monday at noon when everybody's got to go back to work and nobody can watch? That's not a very good ad revenue, right? Let's see what the race. Let's see what the ratings are tomorrow. I'm curious because I was watching today and I was looking at the time. I'm like, wow, this race is really going late. Well, it worked I'm out. Cu- yeah, no, it worked it, out today. It, but and again, I agree. And they I were they were like that. eight miles away from it not working out at all. No, no, I, I don't disagree. And I think the fact that these tracks, some of these tracks, Pocono and Indianapolis specifically, don't have lights is a problem. And I think you know, judging what Roger Penske has said, it sounds like that's going to change with Indianapolis Motor Speedway. When a track doesn't have lights, you, you are putting yourself in a very small box that is going to be very hard to get out of if you have any issues whatsoever, especially at a place like Indianapolis, which has a history with weather in the summer. So I, I understand what you're saying. I think you have to take that into consideration. But I also understand from the business side of why this happens. And it's, you know, if you, if you want to be partners with them and you want these contracts and part of that is, is giving them the flexibility to dictate these times. Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Oh, and, I, and I understand why it happens. I just think it's freaking stupid. <laughs> I love you. But listen, I'm serious, though. What like, look, OK, if you're going to have a, a race where there's a track with no lights Okay, you should at least say NASCAR. Maybe this is a chance for NASCAR to say, "Look, you know, TV wants it at this time. I'm sure the track says, you know, maybe they want it this time. Probably not, because fans, fans come from a far uh, distance and they have to drive six hours home on Sunday night. And they don't want it to be later. But anyway, they should say, "Look, this track, we will not start a race um, at a track with no lights after 1 p.m. or whatever. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you, you want to start Kentucky at 3 p.m. They've got lights. Okay, fine." But Pocono, Indianapolis, 3, 4 p.m., uh, I just, no. Anyway, that was my one rant. It was a positive <laughs> day. Sorry to bring down the podcast. Um, so, Jordan, guess what time it is? Oh, my favorite time of this. My favorite part of the show. So, you were on vacation last week, and I did tell you that I would uh, message you to rub it in if I did snap your streak and return to the winner's circle for the Was It A Good Race poll. Uh, I decided not to be a jerk of a friend, and I did not. You ignored me. I did not. Well, yes, yes, that's 
accurate. I wasn't going to bring that up, but if you're going to bring it up, I'll go there. You were on vacation trying to work and still uh, work on stories. And I kept telling you to put your phone down. You're on vacation. <laughs> put your phone down. Stop working. And you didn't listen to me. So when you started texting me, I just stopped responding. Yeah, I was kind of hurt because then, you know, throughout the week, like I was getting, I wasn't getting message from you. I wasn't getting message from the, our editor, Allison. I was like, I think they're ignoring me and my feelings were generally hurt. You're on vacation and you won't stop working. People tell Jordan to stop working. Even Bob Pockers goes on vacation, Jordan. Did you know this? I, was, I, was, I understand that. I respect that. And then Bob is, is probably more efficient in his job than I am. But when you, you know, when I have to make up for my deficiencies, which means I have to work harder during my vacation. You don't have to work at all during your vacation. That's legally the point of vacation. Anyway, uh, I did defeat you both Pocono races. So that's a two race winning streak for me. I didn't rub it in. uh, So I can do so now. Congratulations to me. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding about that. Uh, No, but seriously, what do you think this was it a good race poll for the Brickyard will be? I think, you know, like you said earlier, this is a low bar. So knowing that going in, we saw a good race. We saw it. We saw, we saw some action. I mean, I know we didn't have a lot of green flag passes for the lead, which is something I think we actually didn't talk about a lot of, but I, I, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say 62% say this is a good race. Urgh, that's very close to mine. You know, I was yes. tempted right. to say, yes. I was tempted to say 70 ish, but, um, I just think, after you know, had Kenseth won, you would have it would have probably boosted the oh, the poll yeah. percentage. Um, a Harvick win after he's already won a bunch lately. Um, the feedback, you know, the general sentiment I saw on Twitter, uh, you know, people didn't really love that, and people also are uh, sort of predispositioned to not like this race. They don't want to like this race. You know, um, they're used to it being boring. They just saw a great race on the on the Indy uh, road course with Chase Briscoe. Um, which we didn't really get to talk about, but that was awesome. Um, so yeah, I I just think I I'm gonna say 67. percent I'll give you a little breathing room on your 62. Um, okay, that's a little high, but I'll go with it. Yeah, it might be a little high, but I I think it was good. Um, I'm cynical sometimes about the racing, so if I enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. I I would think other people who are racing fans enjoyed it, but. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of hate on social media, which I mean, no, it's not always the most accurate gauge in the world, but it seemed like people were kind of entertained by this. Well, it's the accurate gauge if you're asking the same people on social media to vote in the poll. That's yeah, what that, that is a very true my, point. That's so, my uh, cheat uh, every week of how I come close to these. So uh, I'm just sort of generally looking at my replies and thinking, ah, I think people said this. So that's why that's where I'm coming from. Wow. Well, this has been a, a jam-packed podcast. I feel like we're probably forgetting stuff. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, – You can we talk about real quick how IndyCar and uh, the, you know, the doubleheader worked for the first time? Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I guess maybe we didn't talk about it because I don't have a ton of thoughts on it. I think that it it's was hard. cool. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing is, I think you, without fans there, it's a hard it's a hard thing to gauge. I think it was cool that – People were able to see um, mm-hmm. the series, you know, sort of all together uh, in the same weekend, on the same day in Xfinity and, and IndyCar's case. But, you know, it would have been, we, you know, had there been fans there and had there been like a big uptick in attendance or something on that Saturday, you know, you could have been like, 
oh, okay, wow, this was a huge success. Fans love the value to be able to come there and, and see two races or whatever. Um, you know, but I just, I, I don't really know how you judge it. I, I mean, aside from it's you saying or making the general statement of, oh, that was cool. It was cool to see the series supporting each other, working together. I mean, I, I guess I just don't have a huge take on it. No, I, and I get that. And I think without the fans, it felt very incomplete because these doubleheaders are for the fans. It's, it's a great way to bring different diverse audiences together and to get kind of a, a smorgasbord of, of different racing. That said, I think it was a home run this weekend. And I think it showed that one, NASCAR and IndyCar can not only coexist, they can coexist at the same track at the same time. And you can have races, you can each have races that feel like a big deal. And, you know, it's not about, well, who's going to be the main event and who's going to, you know, get the preferred garage stalls and, and whatnot. As you can have everybody there and figure out a way to make this work and get people excited. This felt like a mega weekend to me. You had IndyCar there, you had NASCAR there. No, we didn't get the drivers conversing. You know, I think it would have been cool if the garage stalls been open and the drivers been able to, to interact. And you know, you see NASCAR drivers walking around IndyCars and you know, IndyCar drivers walking around stock cars right. and you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, who, who's going to hop in one of these? And I think you might have gotten a little bit of that, and that would have been cool. But this showed it could work. The television ratings for yesterday are the early returns are promising. Um, I, I, I don't see how this isn't worked into the schedule going forward. I don't see how Indianapolis Motor Speedway, we, Roger Penske has talked about this. When, you know, his first press conference, and I asked him, he says he wants NASCAR at his track, and he is a proponent uh, of having double headers. He, he said that when I asked him. And so I don't see if, if Roger wants this and, and NBC Sports wants this and they, they have pushed hard for this, and NASCAR's open to it. I don't. I don't see how this doesn't. This this, this next year isn't a doubleheader weekend. Yeah, I, and I I agree with what you said. That's a great point too. Where it's like it had been under normal circumstances. You know, most of the NASCAR drivers didn't even come in, um, you know, to the track until um, uh, Sunday morning, right? So um, if you had had them at the track during the IndyCar race, you know, you would have had shots of, you know, a bunch of drivers standing together watching it, and you know, oh, reacting when something happened, even though the IndyCar race mm-hmm. actually wasn't wasn't too eventful to be honest no that was the worst um, i mean i no offense to the three races this weekend indycar was third by far yeah i feel bad well i guess i i feel bad after i got pummeled on twitter a little bit i i said this wasn't really the best all i was saying was okay you would have uh, a sort of a new group of um potential indycar fans you know nascar fans giving it a chance which they may not normally for indycar um some do but so I was like, oh, well, this wasn't the best display of it. And I think you could have said the same thing about the Texas Oval. We probably did say that. Yeah, um, I don't think IndyCar's had a great race this year so far. I don't think No, that's, they're over 2. But yeah. uh, some so some IndyCar fans got super defensive and, you know, they're like, "Oh, guess we needed uh, you know, stages and all this gimmick stuff like NASCAR See, here, has." This is huh? the thing that drives me crazy though because I, this is what drives me crazy about IndyCar fans. It's just some fans in general, is they always der- deride NASCAR for being gimmicks. Well, guess what? IndyCar has pushed a pass. What do you call that? Yeah. Well, and and I don't know if this is a gimmick or not, but I mean, they have um, tire, different tire uh, compounds yeah, that are, yeah, yeah. You know, the whole point is to shake up strategy and create fast cars and uh, comers and goers, right? So, I mean, is that not somewhat of a gimmick too? No, yeah, it, I don't it's know. A, it's a wrinkle. It's a wrinkle for sure. So I, 
I don't know. It wasn't a great race. I'm sorry. I mean, last year's race was great. No, Simon Pagenaud. I don't want it to be a bad race. I like IndyCar. No, I like the people in IndyCar. I want it to be. I, I like all it's, forms it's of race. It's more advantageous for us if there's a better race. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I'm not like, oh, great. IndyCar had a bad race. No, I, I, I want it to be good. I want everything to be good. I, I think it's a selling point when you have um, IndyCar with what it brings, the more sort of like purity of the racing, and then NASCAR with the more sort of entertainment you know, slash gimmicky, if you want to call it that, um, type of racing. And, and people can appreciate both for what they are. Um, you know, last year's IndyCar race at IMS, uh, on the, on the road course was Phenomenal. thrilling, thrilling, right? Pagano yes. used strategy to come back from what? come in the rain. Yeah. What was he like? Eight? No, 10 seconds yeah. down or something. 10 seconds back yeah. with like seven laps to go. And he was just, and it was, and it wasn't like he was going, he was going against Scott Dixon too. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was a great drive. It was super dramatic and, and very exciting and everything. And, and, uh, anyway, so, you know, again, I'm I, probably the people who got mad at me aren't even listening to this. That's so pointless anyway. But, um, why do you hate IndyCar, Jeff? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, <laughs> so next week's Kentucky. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Fun. All right. Yeah. Kentucky. Kentucky. Ooh, yeah. Uh, That'd be good. Okay. In the day, too. Let's well, hey, hey our expectations. Actually, might be better. Well, I don't think so. I mean, this rules package seems to be good when it's uh, oh, cooler yeah. and at night, right? right? I mean, yeah, and, so and last year's Kentucky race. to shoot race, down that optimism. Sorry. Last year's <laughs> Kentucky race, if I recall, wasn't great except for the finish, which was great between the Bush brothers. Yeah. Uh, Kurt ends up winning that. But that, that package, obviously, was at night. Um. So I, I don't know how this will go. Kentucky during the during the day is weird to think about, I guess. But I mean, we've always seen Kentucky night races, except for rainouts. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, we'll uh, we'll be back to talk about it though. And of course, if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic right now, uh, it's 30 days free for anybody that uh, is not a subscriber and clicks on one of the links that Jordan or I tweet out. You'll be prompted with the uh, 30 free days offer for start of your subscription so yeah, a lot of great content coming up too is that right must be yours not mine yeah I, I, yeah i was going over my list today and I'm like you know we've got some good stuff coming oh, up so okay. i'm excited okay i'll try to do my best to keep up with you as well now that you're back from vacation and raring to go i never even took a vacation well clearly anyway uh everybody tweet jordan and tell him to take more time off uh next time because life is short that's the last word for this podcast. Everybody, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time on The Teardown. Bye.